So don't play the ad. Okay. Not playing the ad. We're recording. <laughs> Hit the music. What's up, everybody? Welcome, all you beautiful people, to the Hustle and Grind podcast. I'm your host, Noah Bloomberg from Indiana River Forge. With me, as always, your host, Ryan Coakley of Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. Our guest today is Safety Dave. David Burke What's from up, OLC everyone? Knives. Hey, <laughs> How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. Good, good. Appreciate you Absolutely. guys having me on. Of course, dude. Yeah, we've been trying to have uh, Safety Dave on for a while. Um we, you've, your name has been mentioned on the show quite a lot. You're, you're one of the better people at uh, at sending in memes. Well, not memes, uh, <laughs> stories, stories for the games sure. that we play on this show. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you, you've gotten quite a few mentions, so it's great to actually have you on the show. Uh, one one thing, let's just go ahead and, and we're, we're just going to do an icebreaker here right off the bat. Um, your name has been mentioned on the show before in in question to whether or not you have one leg or not because I was going to ask that right off the bat too. That's you're, funny. You're, <laughs> oh, you're, there they are. Okay, all right. So uh, the listeners can't see, but you do in fact have two legs. <laughs> the name of your 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 company is One Legged Coot Knives. Uh, let's just go ahead and and start off with how did that name come about? Being that you have two legs. So yes, yes, I do have two legs. They work most of the days. Um, but yeah, so I'm a duck hunter and, uh, I was out with a buddy of mine and we went up North, um, Rufus woods, Noah, you know, the area, um, went up there, tried doing a cast and blast, nothing, didn't see much, didn't shoot anything. And we worked our way all the way down the river, jump shooting. Well, it was the first year with my dog, uh, hunting her. So I wanted to get something and I last spot of the day, it's like three in the afternoon. I come over to the ridge and there's a, a coot, which is just a trash duck, right? No one really ever shoots them. So I was like, ah, screw it. I'll shoot it. Just gives the dog something to retrieve. And it was on the water, which, you know, not always sportsmanlike, but shot <laughs> it. And when, when it came back, uh, yeah, it only had one leg to it. So the, the joke was that that's all I could hit all day was one, one legged coot swimming in circles on the water. <laughs> uh, yeah that was a couple of years before i started making knives but uh when i was thinking of names my wife is like oh you should say one-legged coot for that story so that yeah, worked out well that's awesome here's here's the big question though did did you get that one-legged coot mounted no i did not and i kind of regret it um i have a taxidermist i use now and i'm gonna talk to her about getting one uh, if I can bring myself to shoot another coot. <laughs> yeah. Just cut one of its legs off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the essence it a... of what happened, if not the original one. Uh-huh. And I'm going to set it up in the shop as a uh, mascot. And I think I've come up with the name Cornelius. Nice. Corn- Cornelius, Cornelius the, coot. the one-legged coot. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. All right. So just a quick introduction uh, to you, of you, for our listeners. Uh, you are actually local to me. Um, you've been up to my shop a couple times. You've come visit me yeah. at um, some local markets a couple times. Um, kind of strange to actually find knife makers that are local to you, which is cool. You're a 
stock removal guy and you are not exactly what you would call a hustle and grinder you you make what you want when you want and if people buy it great and if not then you're just going to make knives for the fun of it am i correct yeah yeah i've my uh full-time job is electrician and with the data centers going on right now i'm just i don't have time a lot of time to get into the shop so um yeah, I'm. Uh, I've cut back a lot, and people may have to wait a couple of years. But uh, yeah, I just kind of make it at my my own pace. What's that like? <laughs> Refreshing. <laughs> I bet. But, I bet. But it is. I mean, on the flip side, though, I really miss being in the shop. You know, I I wish I had more energy to come home and, um, you know, spend a couple hours making. You know it. It's definitely therapeutic, as I'm sure we all can agree on. Uh, and I don't, I don't have that release right now, so it it is a little annoying in that as, aspect. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot to sure. be said for for having the uh, the pressure of orders to force you to to be out in the shop. Uh, I love it and I hate it at the same time. You know, like at one hand, it's like, ah, man, I hate being under this pressure to get these done. But on the other hand, it's like, well, would I really be out there? If, if I didn't have that motivation, that little, little push to get me, get me out there and get me, uh, get me working, you know, especially when it's, you know, dark, kind of crappy outside in the wintertime, you know, <laughs> that's the healthiest place to be is out there smacking a hot steel and making sparks, you know, or, you know, next to the grinder instead of wasting steps. Right, Ryan? <laughs> My guy. That's why, that's, that's why I said I throwing sparks. <laughs> Yeah. Feels an awful lot like work for me right now, though. It does. There's there's not much love in the game for me at this moment. I'm like in the thick of it. Fucking. Yeah, you are. uh, Yeah. I don't even want to calculate the amount of hours I've spent out here in the last three weeks. But But if any listeners are. That's how you grow. Exactly. And that's a credit to your success that you have orders that big, you know. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was sitting at work, just kind of like chilling on my phone because it's slow this time of year. And uh, I got a message from a random guy. He was like, hey, I'm start opening a restaurant. I saw what you did with this restaurant. Do you want to make my knives? And I was like, yeah, sure do. <laughs> yeah, sure do. Pile on the misery. Think, Let's do it. Yeah, 70s <laughs> mu- a bit much. I think... I think uh, where I'm at skill-wise, 50 is a little more manageable. That's the big orders from the other restaurants, 50. Um, but their knives, they don't want super clean fit and finish. They want them to look a little rough because that's like the motif of their restaurant. This guy is very particular. He wants them very clean. So there's more work in the blades. But I don't have to etch these ones black, so there's less work at the tail end. So kind of balances out. But at the same time, but just the will... sheer number of them, you know, seven. Oh, like yeah. Every step, 70 times, every little step, 70 times. And it's like like a step that takes you 10 minutes turns into six hours. And you're like, Jesus, I bro, I did a set of step. I did, bro. I, I did a set of eight and that killed me having to do like the same <laughs> eight times. I can't even imagine 70. I'd quit. Dude, I'd do I do eight in my I, sleep I, at this point. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? What I, it was like yeah. nine hours straight yesterday of sticking on 
stencils, picking them out, taping them off, and etching them. The picking was no, the worst part. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Dude, I'd rather <laughs> hand sand. I'd rather hand sand than do I need a laser. We were talking about that before we got on recording was different lasers. And I'm a cheap bastard. So if I'm going to drop that amount of money, I need to know exactly what I'm getting and what it's going to do and if it's going to do what I want it to do. And it just seems like the consensus from the community is nobody wants to admit that their lasers are not as powerful as they w- would like them to be. And they're and just everybody afraid to wishes say it. that they had just dropped three grand on a 50 watt fiber laser. Yeah. They're trying to squeeze fiber laser results out of a ultraviolet or whatever it's called. Infrared. Infrared. I think you're going to appreciate it that first time. Once you get it dialed in, like I, I always say it like my time is worth a lot of money. And, you know, as a part-time maker, that's why my prices are, you know, a little higher than some others. But I think with what you're trying to do and the numbers you're putting out, it's going to be worth it real quick. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nine hours on this one batch. And the other restaurant does custom engravings. So, like, they send me pictures mm. and I pay a guy oh, to yeah. cut them out of vinyl. Like, I've done all kinds of stuff, all different names, everything. I can do names on my cry cut. But like the more complex images, I have to have somebody else do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's gonna, and then it's if gonna you want to go crazy, soon. you'll be able to put on you know those custom designs. Like each one of those steak knives could have a little different picture, you know, or have a set of five different pictures if you wanted. Right for their that's restaurant. How these rest- that's how these restaurants justify spending this kind of money on something as silly as steak knives. Speak of, well, for one, is a tax write off. But they both plan on selling the knives also. So if you're there with your girl and you're like, oh, these are pretty. Oh, she's <laughs> like, oh, I want them. Spend some money on me. And he's like, okay. And so they'll sell the ones they use at the table. And then when they need more, they hit me up. Nice. It's a really cool, really cool model, I think. I, it wasn't my idea. I just kind of <laughs> fell into it. I don't know how. Yeah. I hope nobody steals it. I hope nobody else starts doing it because I'd like to pick <laughs> up like two more. If I get two more, I could just not do anything else and be okay. Full timer, just like that. So speaking of full timing, um, well, actually, first let's uh, let's talk about uh, a sponsor real quick, and then we'll talk about full timing and uh, marketing, marketing. I don't know the venue. Uh, yeah, we got to mention why we skipped the Ameribrade ad. That's what I was gonna I was gonna do right now. So, guys, our Ameribrade ad that we normally play at the beginning of the show, we're gonna go ahead and phase that out because it's a little outdated and it doesn't encompass a lot of the new stuff that's come out with Ameribrade, and the fact that we've only mentioned once or twice that we actually have another code for uh, the boys in Ameribrade. So we still have that hustle one hundred code that gets you hundred bucks off any grinder package, uh, like Koi used to say at the beginning of every episode. But we also have code hustle ten that you can use for all of the accessories that Ameribrade sells. So all of their sweet attachments, their rotary platens, their uh, small wheel attachment, the WIP attachment that I use for my integrals all the freaking time. It's probably the tool that I use most other than the, uh, like just the regular flat platen because it's a small wheel and it does those integral uh, plunge lines. Uh, They're so fucking nice. When oh, I dude. first got mine in the mail, I was like, every other one I've ever held is a piece of shit. These are so nice. 
And of course, Anyways, sorry, they come on a one and a half inch arm because I know most of you guys are probably, I would, I would say probably the majority of the guys that are listening are running a one and a half inch arm, whether it's on like a, you know, w- w- all the other brands, I think other than Ameribrade run a one and a half inch arm. So you can get all their accessories either just as like a standalone piece you can mount on your own arm, or you can get it mounted on a one and a half inch arm. And that hustle 10 is going to get you 10% off of that. And we also need to mention the Hyperdisc as well. So the Hyperdisc uh, hadn't come out when we recorded that ad. So we wanted to, wanted to talk about that. It's a standalone unit. If you don't want to get a buffing wheel attachment for your 2x72, if you don't uh, want to buy a standalone disc sander just you know to take up space in your shop, the Hyperdisc is the solution. It comes with all of those things, and the quick change coupler on it is unreal it's such a solid piece of engineering that they came up with um to be able to quickly change out between different style different size discs buffing wheels all different kinds of stuff so check out the hyperdisc from ameribrade as and well the, and the 100 things, code works for the hyperdisc too oh exactly yep it's a really awesome tool so we love the guys in ameribrade go show them some love use that code hustle 10 or hustle 100 if you're looking to get yourself a whole setup or hyperdisc. So that video they just posted on the quick change adapter on that hyperdisc was sweet. I'm I'm drooling over that thing. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I know, and a number of our listeners actually have those. So uh, I've gotten to I've gotten some DMs about uh, you know different people who have been using them and how they use them, and it's a super versatile, super awesome tool that a lot of people really like. So I don't have one yet. I probably will at some point. But uh, yeah, it's a super awesome tool. So go check that out. And uh, thank you to Ameribrade. We love you guys. Uh, Moving on. Marketing. So a conversation that Dave and I have had a few different times is we live. uh, So the main city in the area is is Wenatchee. It's about 20 minutes probably from either of us. And it's not like a huge city, um, but I'd say it's probably a, a... between Wenatchee and East Wenatchee, it's between 30 and 60,000 people in that area. It is the biggest city around for miles. And so they have lots of events there. And one of the biggest events of the year is the Northwest Sportsman Show. And it's, if you've ever been to something like this, you probably know exactly what it is. They have like a fishing pond set up for the kiddies. They have all different kinds of like cool taxidermy that people come and see. All the local vendors, you know, Sportsman's Warehouse, uh, there's a few local ones here that you wouldn't recognize the name of, um, but it's a really big event that happens every year and it happens in the spring. But it's not just events like that that we have locally around here. We have these big like home shows where people come and like contractors set up their booths and it's everything, you know, it's everything from kitchen to bathroom to like all different kinds of stuff. And it's something that I had never considered, but Dave brought up the idea to me of getting a booth at something like that where it's local, it's easy to get to. It's not like a blade show where everyone there is a knife enthusiast or as this last blade show kind of turned out to be everyone there was a knife maker. It's a place where you can get your material, you know, your, your craft out in front of a larger audience of, of, a you know, varying degrees of people. Uh, Dave, what made you think of that? Um, Just trying to think outside the box, you know, like, the home show idea was especially because uh, the kitchen knives you've been putting out, you know, because um, you're walking around with your wife and willing to spend, you know, I don't know, 
couple grand on a stove, a couple hundred bucks for a nice knife doesn't seem as much, you know, uh, trying to find those events where people are willing to spend money. Because some of the local maker markets, you know, people are only walking around with, you know, a hundred bucks or so. They're not willing to spend a couple hundred on the the nice, the high-end knives that we, we put out. That's a really good point. You know, uh, it's something we talk about with, you know, and I've mentioned it a couple times here, people don't advertise enough on Facebook because that's where, you know, people who are a little bit older are a little bit more disposable income getting your demographic marked out and like knowing who you're selling to is an important part of what we do and going to an event where those sorts of people are going to be walking around is probably going to be worth it's worth you know worth worth the cost because i mean what is a table at blade show like five six hundred bucks i think ryan do you know uh i feel like one of our close friends said his table was 600 but it probably, okay. it's got to depend on location of the table, size of the booth, you know. Gotcha. Because so you didn't know the Microtech it. booth was more than 600 bucks. You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. But I mean, for just like a, a, you know, a standard maker, you know, like somebody like us, you know, we'd be able to fill out a, a table like and that's pretty much it. You know, we're not going to be getting like a double wide booth with like crazy fixtures and stuff like that. But that's generally what, you know, a table at one of these booths, you know, will run. And we're talking thousands of people and not, I mean, I would say probably likely not one of those people that comes to your booth is going to be a knife maker, unlike something like blade or a gun and knife show or something like that. You know, even a gun and knife show, people go to a, a place like that. And I've heard stories from other knife makers where people, even at those shows, aren't expecting to see knives for hundreds of dollars. They're expecting to see, you know, the Chinese, you know, blades that came out of a catalog set out there for, you know, 30 to 50 bucks. And they're going to, they're to buy some ammo and maybe a cheap knife. Whereas an event like this, you're talking about people who are there to spend thousands of dollars on granite countertops. And if those kinds of people are there, they're not going to be as hesitant to, to spend on a quality set of knives. I wouldn't think either. I think you're onto something. Cause you can be a broke ass and go walk around a knife show, go walk around a gun show. But if you're a broke ass, why are you going to go to a home show? Yeah. You probably that, ain't even got a home to put that shit in. It's just going to make you depressed. <laughs> like, why would you even go there if you didn't have disposable for, income for free pens? That's why you go. Yeah. Well, and, and the other, the other thing that we should mention is that a lot of these shows have an entry fee. It, it costs money to get into the show. I mean, maybe it's like, you know, 10, 15 bucks, but that's 10, 15 bucks per person. If you're going there, you know, with a, a family, you're spending 60 bucks just to get in the door. So if you're spending 60 bucks to get in the door, that means that you're the kind of person who can afford the kind of things that we sell generally. So it's yeah, a different it, clientele, I think. Yeah, I think you may be onto something now that I think about it because I went to an RV show one time where they were selling RVs with an ex-girlfriend of mine. Her dad was buying an RV. So we went to this RV show and there was like all sorts of booths like Traeger had a booth. Yeah. And like all these camping supplies things had a booth. And it would make sense if like the EDC guys mm-hmm. set up a booth because and that's what, exactly what I was the, thinking. You know, people you driving know, you, RVs are out there in the wilderness. Enjoying yeah. nature. 
or people are looking for a cool set of knives to have in their camper. People that set up their campers set up their campers ready to go. They don't pull their kitchen cutlery out of their kitchen and take it into their mm-hmm. RV to go camping. They have a separate set. So if they had like a set of camp chef knives or something like that. But the biggest yeah. thing that I was thinking, you know, something like a sportsman show when Dave mentioned it to me is I've done a few antler handles, but man, if you showed up with like some antler handles, you could have a, a different, you know, array of either EDC blades for people who don't hunt people who are, you know, they're going to a sportsman show, but they don't necessarily hunt, but there's fishermen. You're talking about fillet knives. I've always done well selling fillet knives and cause there's a lot of fishing in this area, things like that. If you were to show up to an event like that with a table full of fillet knives, some cool antler handle hunting knives, things like that, I feel like you would do really well. And I know that this isn't just located in Wenatchee, Washington. Like I know that these events happen all over the place where these makers are. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking, oh yeah, within an hour of me, there's this show that pops up. Maybe I've never gone there before. You know, I don't assume that like every single one who listens to this podcast who's a knife maker is also a sportsman. Ryan, you're not, uh, you, you don't hunt, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you probably know of a sportsman show or could Google it really quick and find one, you know, at the, you know, the closest large city to you where, I, that would be I a do great enjoy way. firearms, though. There you go. Like quite so a would, bit. A firearm show would also be a decent place to to put up something as well. There's one right out of the corner of my eye right now. <laughs> <laughs> Minor, because we're Americans. Right <laughs> yeah. You know, the British speaking, mind just exploded. Speaking of that uh, sportsman show, when I was talking to some guys at work, uh, actually – it was Friday and, um, about that buoy knife I was talking to you about Noah. Um, yeah. And one of the guys in the conversation pulled up, uh, Eric's, uh, EMS knives. Uh, yeah. and he's like, Hey, you know, this guy, and he saw him at the sportsman show, uh, that was a couple weeks ago. So it, he got his name out to at least one person that way. Oh, he actually had a booth there. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't, I, Honestly, I missed the sportsman show. I honestly totally norm, normally it's something that I would go to, but I never even saw that. It, I thought it was next month. Yeah, I assumed it it passed. I have to look it up unless he was talking about last year. But okay. yeah, that's how this this uh, coworker of mine found out about him. So it definitely worked for him. Ballaball did really well with that gun store that he put some skinners in. Yep. And that's, you know, we talked about that when we had, um, when we had him on here and that's another great, you know, thing where your, your demographic is, you just got to know what that is and put your stuff in front of them. Yeah. You got to know how much money's in your area too. If you live around, uh, if you're poor and you live around a bunch of poor people, (laughs) chances are Instagram's probably the way to go. (laughs) The other one I was just thinking about while we were talking is over in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, they have a huge art show. Um, and, you know, we, it's easily arguable that uh, our knives are art. And, um, you know, people walking around there are willing, are ready to spend a little bit of coin on art. So that could be another one, finding bigger art shows like that. That's something I hadn't considered. Yeah, I don't know. You, are, but are then you run the risk to... of running into like them annoying ass people. Oh, the people who like, don't want to who consider knives to be weapons. Yeah, 
Yeah, I could see that. Well, the other thing that occurs to me is do people go to art shows to purchase art or do they go to art shows to look at art? Both. Purchase. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah, I I was there, man, it, it's been several years now, but there was a guy with uh, some stag handle knives over there. Um, but it was a lot of, I mean, all different mediums, metal art, painting, acrylics, pottery, everything under the sun, but it was mainly sellers. Fuck, gotcha. I hate working with antler. Uh, it's <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it looks so cool, but, though. It sells, though. People love them. It yeah. sells. Antler-handled knives sell, but they just, it's so gross. Your whole shop smells like burnt hair for like Here's a what month. I've learned. Here's what I've learned about working with antler. You have to find the right piece of antler. Like, shaping antler to make it what you want sucks really bad. But if you find a if you find the right piece that works for what you want it to do, it's actually fairly easy. You just have to be really selective about the pieces that you get and the pieces that you use. So like nobody else do this. I'm saying this on like a podcast, but like at Blade, my goal this year is to find quite a few of the right pieces of antler to use this handle because i want to do more antler handles but they have to be the right pieces that that fit for what i want them to be and the species matters too if you get like a moose or some elk people are hornier about that than they are like say whitetail that's super abundant well whitetail is really hard to find good pieces of because it's so small yeah you you, like elk Elk brow tines are really good. I know people love stag. Stag always has some a really higher, you know, not always, but it generally has a little bit of a higher price tag, but it, it has the right shape and feel that you want. And it's a lot more usable than whitetail or moose is good for scales because it's like humongous <laughs> fans yeah. of antler. Well, it's a big slab. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas like we have some moose antler at work in the office and the crown of it is probably four inches in diameter. Like how in the fuck are you going to, what are you going to make a fucking, you can't, there's nothing you can do with it. Yeah. It's, they're just that big, but the crown, like the actual fans of the antler is all super flat. Just zip it right in half, but it stinks. It's gross. Can you, can you get antler wet? Could you mist it? If you had a misting system, could you just spray water on the handle while you grind it and it doesn't smell as bad? I suppose, but I prefer just sucking it up. Just have then have you, your have your dust collection right underneath the grinder. Get all that stuff sucked right in. Wear your respirator just like anything else. And you're good to go. Dave, you don't yeah, look like a, about... a respirator would fit you very good right now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, the beard's getting pretty bushy. But I... One of these days, I'll uh, spring for the full mask, forced air respirators. Yeah, I'll be doing it sooner, sooner rather than later. I think. No, you need a laser yeah. first. Screw oh your health. God, you dude, need a laser. The, fucking, <laughs> the list is just—it never ends, dude. Nope, never my, ends. My never list ends. is laser, uh, a new kiln, and then probably that uh, disc, that disc grinder from um, Maribraid. Yeah, mine's my list. A respirator. (laughs) I want a respirator, a laser, a plasma table, a sandblast cabinet. 
Uh, there's something else too. Oh, and a legit oven, not a homemade one. Uh, I don't even know what, what my list is. Um, go, go ahead. How Dave. is that oven? How is that oven working for you? Your new one, Noah. That one. Yeah. Oh, mine. Oh, Noah's. Noah's. Yeah. Mine? Yeah, mine's phenomenal. Uh, I had a few uh, growing pains with it initially, but it all turned out to be a bad breaker that for some reason the breaker just didn't like the oven. It ran everything else fine, but it didn't like the oven. So it was an old breaker that's been there longer than longer than I've been here. So I just swapped it out and I haven't had an issue since. And I haven't come across a knife that I haven't been able to heat treat in it despite the small size. It's only a 14-inch deep, but uh, the longest knife I put in there just put it in at an angle end to end and uh man it works great it's accurate i mean i haven't had a single issue with that ever since i swapped out the breaker and it just does such a great job it takes a little while to get up to temp but i hear that from everybody who doesn't have a paragon pro um i know both brian house and um jb blades when he was on have talked about the speeds that they get i mean it's just incredibly fast like 15 minutes to get to like carbon steel austenizing temperature. I mean, it's just insane. Mine takes about 30 to 35 minutes to get up to austenizing temperature for carbon steel. Um, depending if I'm doing 8670, the austenizing temperature is 1550. If I'm doing 86 or if I'm doing, yeah, so that's 8670. Uh, if I'm doing Damascus, which is 15 and 20 and 1084, uh, it's 1475 and it gets up there like, you know, 25, 30 minutes, something like that. So yeah, that sounds great, great to oven. me. <laughs> yeah before, what, before the show uh dave was talking about how long his homemade oven takes up to temp and what did you say dave uh about six hours i wake up let the dogs out and turn on the oven for uh, a noon heat treat <laughs> oh geez damn there's got to be something but, we can do to speed that up yeah it must it, be the controller or something it could be um it's it's really uh, kind of pieced together. It was a Craigslist fine. So for 500 bucks, you know, it's hard to complain. Right. Yeah. Does it have an actual controller on it? Uh, I would have to pull it out again. Last couple uh, batches I've been doing have been stainless, which I had to send out to Cage Daily. He's been helping me out. But because uh, gotcha. it only Probably goes up to dude. about 18. Yeah. he's He's been a great resource for me. But, uh, yeah, it's, it only gets to about 1800. So I haven't been able to do any steel or stainless. Yep. Yeah. That sucks. Wow. You got to get a new oven, man. That's, that should be number one, number one on your list, (laughs) but Hey, you know, and and I've gotten a couple of people reaching out to me about, about the oven that I have. So it's, it's good that you brought it up. And because there's a number of people out there that are looking to spend something less than like three grand on an oven, because if you and, the, you know, and if, that's a knife dogs made by Paragon, right? Yeah. So this is this is a, Man, a Paragon cheaper, should sponsor us. <laughs> Second so that motion. A, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a less expensive oven, but it's still made by Paragon. So it's USA Knife Maker sells them, and it's their knife dogs brand that they've kind of collaborated on this thing with you buy it off of usa knife maker and it ships directly from paragon and it's their top of the line century controller with this smaller capacity oven that's all 
you know, it, it's it's set up differently than like a normal Paragon is you know, with the controller like it's, below it and everything. It's a hobbyist but, oven. It's perfect for hobbyists. It's it, you know, it really is. But even still, I'm you know, when I when I upgrade to a, a larger oven, I'm still going to keep this thing. You know, I'm still going to use it because it's it's a perfect smaller chamber. It works for all. I mean, I don't make any knives. The, the largest knife that I make regularly is an eight inch chef. So having a 14 inch deep oven is perfect for me. I don't need anything bigger. Otherwise, I'm just heating up unused air inside the cavity. So it doesn't make any sense really to be going for like a 20 inch, you know, 30 inch oven. I don't make swords. It's no big deal. So it works perfectly for me. It was like 1400 bucks shipped to my door and it works great. It's an ugly color, but that doesn't matter. Um, And yeah, I do recommend it. So um, anybody who was either DM'd me already about it or, or was curious about it. It's a great oven and it works well. It's, it's, it's a Paragon quality oven with one of their best controllers, which is very programmable more, more so than I will ever use. And, uh, it, shoot, it has like wireless capabilities. It can like send messages to your phone and stuff. I don't have on anything like that set up, but it can do that. It's, that's pretty cool. That I wouldn't awesome. mind that. Yeah. I'm over the homemade oh. oven. <clears throat> I've been, I mean, this one's been good up until this last big batch and I was 30 knives in on the, cause I can only do six at a time. So I was 30 knives in on the 70 and, uh, I go, luckily it was right at the end of the cycle. I was going to open the door and I just see that the temperature goes from 1925 to right down and i was like what the fuck i opened the door and the coil broke it drooped the the staples that hold it in gave out and it drooped down far enough to touch the coil below it oh boop boop yeah done but i didn't lose the six knives so that and it only set (laughs) me back that evening i mean i built the oven so i have extra parts i mean thermal couples are disposable they wear out so I keep extra thermocouples, bricks, refractory, cable, all of the shit. I had everything to fix it. So I spun up a new coil. I routed them a different way, and I made the back a different way when I put it back together. So I got four more inches. So I got 18 yeah. and a half now instead of 14 and a half. That's awesome, man. There you go. Nice. Yeah. yeah. yeah I you do want to talk about knives. You want to talk so, about you know, an oven that heats up quickly. Ryan, how fast does yours get up to like... Austenizing temperature for carbon for carbon steel 10 minutes yeah i give it another 10 minutes to equalize because like you want the bricks to warm up so it's not a such a fluctuation um but yeah it'll get to 1510 minutes and then it takes at least another 15 or 20 minutes to get up to stainless austenizing yeah mine takes almost an hour to get up to stainless yeah, which is those, still those better last than two hundred but... degrees for some for some yeah, for some reason those last two hundred degrees take forever. It's, it's because when you open it, it's like the surface of the sun. Once you get up to about like two thousand degrees in an oven, for some reason it feels so different. Like when you get a forge running at like two thousand degrees, which is super common, do it all the time. But for some reason, when you open up that oven at nineteen fifty, it's just like a whole different <laughs> level of heat. I don't know. Maybe it's because oh, everything's yeah. perfectly Look at even. Glasses on, it'll dry Jeez. your fucking eyes out like that. Just yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know why it's so different, but it's a crazy type of heat. I don't know why. Lawrence Lake sells these heat resistant gloves, and they're super cheap. They're like six bucks. 
Really? But they work. Amazing. I set mine on fire last time, last week. I didn't even feel it. Like I, ha- I just got my hand too close to the mouth of the kiln and my thumb and my index finger on the glove started to smoke and flame. And I was like, oh, shit. Didn't burn me. Used, We're good. I just bought I just welding, like welding gloves. gloves. Yeah. yeah mm. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say, how are these different? I didn't know he sold these. Ryan, tell me about these things. I don't know what's different about them, but they work better than welding gloves. I've got welding gloves, too. I got blue point ones. Damn. Okay. And they work good. Welding gloves, if you get a nice pair of blue point or like a good brand, Lincoln, whatever, Hobart, any of those brand of welding gloves, they work good. But they're not designed for 2,000 degrees. They're designed to, you know. Okay. Well. Well, (laughs) I'm going to have to uh, go check those out. Uh, They're cheap. Speaking of which. I'll look right now. Well, go ahead. And I mean, let's I'm, let's play an ad for Maritime. I mean, he he sponsors us. We're talking about him. Let's just go ahead and uh, show him some love. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Dude, they're they're not even 6 bucks. They're on sale right now for $3.79 US. What? On Maritime. Really? Same exact ones I've got. 24-ounce hot mill glove. Now, do they go Hollywood. up the wrist some like the welding gloves, or do they stop short? It's on your wrist. It's like a, like a gardening-length okay. glove. Huh. Well, I'm going to check those out because, yeah. Applications uh, include automotive foundries, glass manufacturing, heat, high heat environment, radiator, and welding shops. Hmm. Sweet. I'll check those out, man. Yeah. yeah. Everybody go on buy 100 pairs of those. (laughs) Tell Lawrence we sent you. Yep. No doubt. Yeah, because my welding gloves are getting a little crusty. That forge, I tell you what, man, that thing pushes out so much heat that when I go to grab steel out of it, I, I still burn my hands um, from from that uh, that Apollo. Shout out to uh, Brian House. He just, not this week, but last week, put out a video on how to tune an Apollo forge. And he oh, said nice. in the beginning of the video, he's like, this is probably for about 10% of the people. He's like, 90% of the people who use this forge, they're off and running and they're totally good to go. But about 10%, they need some help. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, way to call me out there, Brian. Appreciate that. Like, uh, <laughs> about 10% of people are inept and they need help on how to tune this thing. Thanks, man. But anyways, no, it was a really great video that he put out on his YouTube. And it's all about just figuring out how the air fuel mixture ratio on a forced air burner goes. And I've, I've just never used that before. I've I've always had Venturi burners and it's never, never been an issue. And I had a couple of billets fail because I didn't have a proper fuel mixture. You know, I was doing everything else the same, how I would normally forge weld, but it's just such a different animal. And I was using so much, way too much air. I realize now that I've watched his video, I was basically sandblasting these billets on the inside of this forge with so much air and lean mixture. And so the scale that was coming off of them is just freaking like eighth inch, not eighth inch, 16th inch scale, just like popping off of these things because 
I was just running it too lean and it was getting in between the layers and it was just wasn't forge welding properly. So I've done a couple Damn. billets since then and I haven't had any issues at all. So uh, if you run an Apollo forge or if you want to potentially run an Apollo in the future, definitely, definitely go check out that video if you're not familiar with a forced air burner. And Is uh, Brian House sponsoring us? No. Did I'm I miss something? Shout out. I just oh. love the guy. <laughs> I just love the guy. He helped me out. Dude, you know how freaking awesome that Apollo Forge is? Like, just... It, yeah, it's so it could amazing. have been way worse. He could have called us lowbrow. That's like true, somebody yeah. somebody else did. See? And if somebody like that... I wouldn't be giving, showing them this much love at all if if they had, if he had done that. But he doesn't. No, he's, he's actually a nice guy, unlike some people. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Hey, uh, speaking of your billets, um, how's that... Um, feather damascus one that you're putting together how's i saw that video the other day is that another one of those combination feather damascus what do you call them yeah fox feather so it's named after the phoenix in harry potter um because my wife named it so the fox feather damascus billet is going i it's been tough man the first one that i did was super easy and i thought that i could just do everything and it would just work just as easy the second time but man it's been challenging um and so i got the i got the final split done so now i just need to weld it back together and then forge weld it back together and then grind off all the mig welds and then i can forge a knife out of it so i'm running a little bit close on material because it's going to be an integral it's going to be like an integral camp knife. Um, so it's, it's, it doesn't have to turn into an eight inch chef, but it also doesn't, it also can't be as thin as a chef. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge in material management. Um, the last time I did it, I started off with my usual size billet, which I barely had enough to do a petty, a hidden tang petty, not even a, not even an integral. And this time I started off with t- close to twice as much steel and I'm still cutting it close on material. There's just so much loss in between that many forge welds between the issues that I had with scale buildup and a couple failures. Man, and then now I've gotten sounds down to totally it. awesome. All the failures. <laughs> it sounds like totally not wasted steps. <laughs> come yep. on you gave me you got you gave me shit for like three episodes in a row so I, it's my <laughs> turn it's fair totally fair man no it's you know it's 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 a process in and of itself you know like it's not uh it's not just knife making it's it's a it's it's a it's a labor of of love and labor of hate at times and That's uh true. it's it's just you know it's it's something you, you work through and you, you you love certain parts of it and you hate other certain parts of it and and you get through it and in the end it's it's something that nobody else has you know so that's what i love about it is that i'm able to you know even if somebody else did do a fox feather or a regular feather everybody's you know done a feather but each one's different it's like a snowflake a thumbprint you know so i like it it's 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 its own entity in my mind it's a little totally different but yeah to answer your question it's going okay one of the projects I really want to do is uh, his and her knife for my wife and I, and uh, I want to do it in a feather Damascus. So I may hit you up, see if uh, I come up to the shop sometime and do a feather with you. 
Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, it's a little small to have two people working in the shop, but it has been done at least once before. So I think we could probably Don't make that you happen. just take a feather and put it on a hot bar of steel and it makes the pattern? Yeah. Yes, Hensley. That's that? exactly how I do that. <laughs> Wasn't it Hensley that did that? Yes, it was. You did it twice. <laughs> once wasn't bad enough. Didn't you say Ugh. people actually believed them? They yes. did. I got messages. Everyone in the community has gotten DMs from somebody asking, hey, is this how you make a feather? Hey, I didn't realize it was this easy. So yeah. I actually had an idea Freaking for you, um, Noah, is so obviously feather Damascus is really popular. What about like a leaf style? So if you had like the uh, high carbon steel for like the main veins and then do like a random, I don't know, even maybe your foxtail feather in the sections that aren't are broken up by the main vein. Does that make sense? No, not at all. Try again. <laughs> so, you know, uh, a, uh, you know, you got your, your leaf shape, that main vein down the center, and then you have some of the main ones off the side uh, mm-hmm. would be your high carbon to stand out. And then in the middle, how if you look close at a leaf, it has a lot of random uh, veins. Is that helping? <laughs> what would be making up the veins? So that's what I'm, I don't understand. Oh, well, it would still be a Damascus style, right? But just the the main parts would be your high carbon to etch super dark. And then the in-between little sections that break up the leaf would be your random pattern Damascus. Oh, I see. So so staggering the layers in between the typical C's with just straight carbon steel to, to break it up. I've seen that done. Yeah. Um, I believe oh. uh, Halcyon Forge, I believe, has done some stuff with that. Um, he's always got some incredible, incredible stuff. I follow him on Instagram. I don't actually know his name, but Halcyon Forge. Oh, speaking, he, does, he does some incredible stuff with like that. I'm going to forget if I don't say it. Icarus Knives. Did you see that blade he put out the other day? Yes. Oh my fucking god! Every, yeah, I don't even know. Texas, Texas, something or other. He he had a a little a little monogram of Texas in the butt cap, and oh. it was a very like an arrowhead style keyhole. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous knife. And he did some inlays on the bolster. Uh, yeah, yep. I was following that knife. Um, he's he's been working on that for a little while, and so I, I had been following I him he called building it that. Scout's Honor. Oh, okay. was the That's name of the knife? Yes. Yep. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, that thing is it's beautiful just, work. Oh my god! The even everything about it, the blade shape, the way it's, yeah, the profile. It's an and integral. He did something different than what I normally do. Normally, when I do a feather, I do the split. You know where where the split starts at the top. You have it fanning out as the blade continues. He did it backwards. Well, not backwards, but I've seen people do it both ways, where the the point is towards the point of the knife, and it's a really cool look. I was actually considering doing that one of these times, just flipping it around, so that you had the the feather going the other direction, and it obviously turned out amazingly in that knife that he did. Yeah, still though, my all time favorites, uh, Charles Leinhardt's knife. Oh yeah, <laughs> that one that we sell, we held that blade. Mm-hmm. <coughs> like yeah, half the, the half coming the half off the feather spine. with the, the, the angel hair. He did it just, <laughs> just an incredible piece of work. He's always got you know that guy's crazy. Anyways, that's, do you guys want to play a game like that? That oh, sure. 
yeah. go ahead. You can finish your thought. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say, it's people like those that every time I finish a knife, I'm pretty proud of. I see that. And it's just like, what am I even doing? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that knife from Icarus Forge made me want to quit knife making. I was like, dude. <laughs> That's Salem, that's Salem Straub for me. I'll finish something up and oh. I'll, I'll get it all done and I'll be all, all happy about it. And then I'll open up Instagram and the first thing that pops up is his like chain bird Damascus or something like that. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, Nick really? on Jay too. Nick on Jay, dude, that guy pumps out some knives and every single one of them has a Damascus pattern that has me going, whoa. I like, met him at New England School of Metalwork this summer. He is a giant. Yeah, you mentioned that. He's six. Maybe that's foot how nine. he pumps. Maybe that's how he pumps him out so fast. <laughs> I'm I'm six foot. It's very rare that I'm looking up to talk to somebody. I'm like, <laughs> you're fucking massive, dude. Super awesome guy. Super nice guy. He's a character. I'd love to get him on the show, but he uh, he doesn't do podcasts. So ah, bummer. All right, guys, we got some fake news. You ready? Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Let's do it. Want me to play yeah. us in? Yeah. It's time for some fake news. Police warn that flushing drugs could create hyper-aggressive meth alligators. Police say man with no hands and no legs is armed and on the run. A man admitted to the hospital with 25 plastic toy horses inserted in his rectum. Doctors have described his condition as stable. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you're joining us for the first time, this is a game we like to play called Fake News. I have three stories in front of me. Two of them are completely real. They actually happened. One of them is facade. It is fake news. It is satire. And it is your job and Ryan and Dave's job to figure out which one it is. Uh, today, I printed out more than just the headlines. Usually, I just do the headlines, but I printed out a little bit more information. It, it was a little bit difficult for me because I had to weed through all of the submissions that Dave had sent in because he sends in some of the best stories. So I had to pick ones that specifically he hadn't sent in. <clears throat> so you know, I was I actually I, nervous about that because I've gotten some wrong before on the show that I sent in as I was listening. <laughs> so I, I was worried you were going to do that to me. <laughs> I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. So we begin. Florida man buys Porsche with fake check printed from home computer. A man in Florida reportedly purchased a brand new Porsche with a check he had printed on his home computer and then decided to splurge on some watches. Casey William Kelly, 42, cashed in the nearly $140,000 check at a local dealership on Tuesday, but was taken into custody later after he tried to buy several Rolex watches at a jeweler. Next up. I was almost going to ask you, but yeah, we got to go on. <laughs> got to read them all. Got to read them all out here. My bad. Okay. <clears throat> I'm a little rusty. I wasn't on the show last week. I was really sick. Um, so this is, I apologize. Uh, next up, Canadian drug dealer offers free samples of cocaine stapled to his business cards. A Canadian drug dealer was busted for allegedly offering a direct line to business, passing out free samples of cocaine stapled to the back of his business cards. Cops tracked him down by his business cards, and arrested him. And lastly, a Kentucky man sues himself and wins $300,000. A Kentucky man threw a boomerang that flew back and hit him on the head, sued himself for $300,000, and won. Uh, the South China Morning Post reads, and astonishingly, it will not cost him a cent because all the money he won comes from his insurance company. Which one of these gentlemen do you believe? is fake news. 
I don't know if that last one's fake news, but that guy's a genius. <laughs> I was surprised. Until, until you said that the insurance paid it out, that I was I was leaning that way, but I don't know. That is pretty smart. <laughs> I, He's on I a different like, level. I feel like you'd probably get dropped by your insurance company after that, but I mean, I don't know. Who so, cares? You got 300 uh, grand. <laughs> To recap, Florida man buys a Porsche with a fake check that he printed from his home computer. A uh, Canadian drug dealer offers free samples of Coke. And the Kentucky man who sues himself and wins $300,000. I think I'm leaning towards the Florida man. The Porsche? Yeah, the because I would assume that the dealership would check more or care more about that check than the jeweler, right? So I. I think that one's the fake one. I have a sneaky suspicion that if they get a check for 140 grand, they call the bank. Yeah. When we get a check at work for more than 10 grand, we call the bank and we're like, Hey, this guy's writing us these checks. And they're like, yep, he's good. Or they're like, Nope, that's a fake check. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to go with that. Same Florida. You guys are both going with the man buying the Porsche with a fake check as the fake news. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Oh, no. That was 100% real, and I knew that I had you with that. The fake news was the man suing himself and winning $300,000. Oh, man. That's what I wanted to be real. See, and I knew that you would want that to be real, and I knew a hundred. What was it? Hundred, hundred forty thousand dollar check. The dealership didn't even check to see. We don't even accept personal checks at my dealership that I work at because of this. Like, we don't accept them at all. Like, we don't call your bank. We don't do anything. We don't accept them because we've been burned too many times. Why would a dealership? Why would a dealership in Florida accept a hundred and forty thousand dollar check without even like finding out? Like, I want to know how this guy was dressed. Must have been good, uh, like a guy that will print checks off his computer and think that he's not going to get caught cashing them in at Porsche dealerships. Like, I know, I'm with you. I, it was pretty like I couldn't believe it either. I had to. I checked multiple sources to make sure that it was real. Uh, shout out to uh, Pickle Cutters on Instagram uh, for sending in both of those stories because, like I said, I had to find ones that weren't sent in by Dave. But uh, yeah, both of those fake think, stories. Go ahead. I don't think he should get in, or I don't think he should get in trouble. The dealership should have to own that one if they're that stupid not to check. So well, I he went to a, ju- a jewelry you. store. He they went. He went to a jewelry store, and they immediately like were like, "Okay, yeah, sure." Um, as soon as this check clears, we'll give you the watches because I think it was like three or six watches he was trying to buy at once. So that was like a oh, red flag. We're gonna go ahead and we'll hold the watches and your check, and we'll let you know. And by letting him know, they called the police, and the police let him know. <laughs> like, what the hell? Six Rolexes. That's like a quarter million dollars, depending on the watch. Could be more. Could be a couple Ooh. million. Depends on the watch. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I don't know how much Rolex watches are. I assumed that it was some of much them are less forty grand. The some of them are a million. He shouldn't oh. have pressed his luck. If he got away with the Porsche, <laughs> he should have just walked away. Yeah, well, here's the other thing. Like, what year is it? Like, 
I don't even remember the last time I paid with a check. Like we're still like we're printing checks from our home computers still. Like wasn't there a movie about this with Leonardo DiCaprio like way, way back in the day? Like catch me if how you is can. this still a thing? Ah, yeah, that one. That's the one. Yeah. Based a on a true yeah, story too. That's right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. That was good stuff. Uh, Ryan, real quick. What do we got uh, coming out of the Baker Forge boys this week? Oh, they they've got- been doing drops left and right. I told you guys last time I was on the show, I told you when we were talking about Baker Forge, you guys needed to be following them to make sure you see when they drop stuff because they've been doing more than just their normal like Saturday drops. Coyle will just like reach behind his counter and just like find a stack of billets, throw up a reel and be like, <laughs> hey, I've got these for sale just so you know. And then boom, they're gone just like that. So if you're not following them, like you need to be um, – They've been doing some cr- like a crazy amount of drops for them. I mean, they've ever since Baker Forge and Tool came out, we've had Coy on the show before. We talked about it. You know, like it, he cannot keep stuff in stock. Every time they do a drop, it sells out. And so he has just been pushing so much material through that new shop that they have and absolutely killing it. I know you guys aren't on TikTok, but uh, he is. And uh, I saw a couple of sales he dropped on there. So if you are on uh, TikTok, definitely follow them, Baker Tool and Forge on there. I started oh. a TikTok, but I haven't turned that phone on in a month. Yeah, I'm I'm still staying away from the TikTok. I can't do it. <laughs> I know you guys are telling me. I know. I hear it all the time. I'm just, I'm not even, I'm not, at the, I'm not there. I'm not looking for more sales. I'm not looking one. for more orders. I haven't yeah. seen a new one. Since the Tiger Mai Damascus core. That Tiger right, so, Mai is freaking gorgeous. But absolutely. He's doing something funky with Twist Damascus rod stock. That's right. Yeah, they had they, I've seen said a couple reels from it. them about the uh they've been doing some lathe work. And I'm trying to think to myself, like, yeah, that's cool that you guys are selling you know rounds of material, but why are you cleaning it up so perfectly? on a lathe like what are we what are we doing so like i said you need to be following these guys when he does a drop of whatever he's dropping you need to use code hustle 10 to get 10 percent off of that billet they are a sponsor of the show we love those guys they do awesome work and they are the embodiment of hustle and grind they are always getting after it and they have been going super hard super fast ever since they started and uh yeah check those guys out see what they're dropping Hustle 10, 10% off. It's not a small amount when you're, you know, don't be like me where I'm talking to Dave, telling him about all my failures in my billets and stuff. <laughs> just, just, uh, just go get yourself some stuff made by the pros. Just, just, just be like Ryan and Dave and just stock remove it. Have it look beautiful. Have it look perfect. And don't struggle like I do. That's just, this just something I love to do is struggle and, and hate myself. Don't do that. Just, just go get yourself some Baker Ford and tool stuff and be happy. I'll be honest. I'm I'm afraid to get into uh, forging just because I think I'll fall down that rabbit hole. Uh, you know the way my particular flavor of autism is is that patterns really resonate with me. So I could, you know, try chasing down some of Salem Straub stuff, trying to make that. <laughs> Got that tism, yeah, baby. Same you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Last thing I need is a new list of tools to buy. 
That's the last Rism fucking thing tism, I need. You know what I'm saying, bro? <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching too much Theo Von Autist- stuff lately. <laughs> Autistic or artistic? Uh, uh, it's the same thing, bro. It's the same thing. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, so, Dave, I feel like we haven't talked about you enough this this episode. We're already an hour in. So you make stock removal knives. What's your favorite like flavor? Like, I noticed the one thing that I will say about you is that you have for not making like a ton of knives, like you don't push out a ton. You have a style that is difficult for people to come across. You know, like people struggle to find their style and their, you know, just that, just, just their style and their blade where you can recognize their blade instantaneously. And you've come across that. And the one thing that I noticed is you've really embodied your, your brand, the, the one legged coop, the knives that you put out, they have an element of bird shape to them. Is that intentional? No, I've actually never thought of that before. I thought you were going to talk about <laughs> the model names because all my model names, except for my um, my uh, tactical one, are all based off of uh, ducks and waterfowl. But no, I've never thought about that before. Really? It's just uh, me? Yeah. <laughs> it must be. I don't know, but... Okay. No, I do appreciate like, that you saying I have a style because that's something I've I've thought about with how little I make is just how do I stand out? But I I appreciate that you feel like you can recognize my knives. I can. It's it's, it's very easy for me because the the handles in particular, even some of the blade shapes, they have a waterfowl feel to them. The the handle shapes they resonate to me like the the shape of the body of a duck, you know, it it has like those sleek lines with some of the, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it just, it has a feel about it that, that I thought was intentional. So I'm, I'm flabbergasted, shocked and amazed that, that it was not, it's just a natural progression of, of your making. Yeah, it, it must be. I mean, I try to, I try to base a lot of it out of ergonomics and, you know, usability, on a knife. So I don't know if it just the natural, uh, shape of, you know, the aerodynamics of ducks just transfers over, you know, I mean, obviously we're not on uh, video, but that's, that's my mallard model. And yeah, it just kind of kept refining it. And I think maybe that's part of it is because I have so limited time. I, I stuck with one, or I'm down to like three uh, models and I just kept doing the same models over and over and refining them uh, to get better. You can have the ducks. You leave the swans to me though. Yeah. All you. (laughs) Well, but that, and that, and that, but that's another thing is that when Ryan came out with his EDC model, which was called the signet, which is a, a a baby swan Mm -hmm. that had those similar lines to it. And it reminded me of David's work because, you know, it's that similar Mm. sort of flowing lines, you know, and I liked that about when you came out with your EDC, it was called the signet. Your symbol is the swan and it has those flowing lines like a swan. It has those aerodynamics, like you mentioned, Dave, and it flows, you know, like that flow 
so important having having the tip of the knife connected to the butt you know like not having the blade disconnected from the way that the handle is shaped uh, tell me if i'm getting a little bit crazy here because i feel like maybe i am but i feel like the, the flowing lines like it has to it has it can't be so utilitarian that the handle is disconnected from the, the blade shape like it has to flow all together as a whole and you can't make a knife that is based purely on usability because it, if, you, if you're not attracted to the knife, you're not going to want to use it. And this is something I've mentioned before, but it's something that Jason Knight says. All of his knives are sexy, and they're all female. And it works <laughs> because... He did say that on this yeah. show, too. He, he did. <laughs> he did. And it's, but, it, but it's true if you look at his knives. I mean, some of them are pretty, pretty brutal looking, but they still have that elegance. They still have that flow. And it doesn't just have a flowing blade shape. It has a flowing handle. And it, one flows into the other, and it all is connected. And you have to have it as a cohesive whole to really be able to gi- digest it mentally and be attracted to it enough to where you want to use it. And that's something that, you know, as makers, we have to we have to create something that people are attracted to. We can't just make something, hey, this is going to be the best usable knife, you know, for whatever that particular task is. This is going to work perfectly because of this aspect, this aspect, and this aspect. It has to be something that the customer is attracted to visually to make them want to pick it up. And so that's something that you did very well with the Signet, and then you do very well with, with your model of knives, Dave, that I really love. And it all seems to flow together because your branding also has to be in, into that as a, as a part of it as well. You know, your one-legged cute knives, and it has that aspect to it that fits with that model. And it's something that's really hard to do, I feel like. And I think that's something that, you know, people who are marketing executives and people who who think about these sorts of things, you know, try to do intentionally. So when something like that happens organically, I feel like it's even more special. Oh, yeah. thanks. Really appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. It's it's not like we're sacrificing functionality, though. No, we're no, just of course not. finding a comfortable handle shape that matches. And I've said many, many times on this show, and I still stick with it, that I hate my handles, at least on chef knives. Not on the signal. Um, no, I really <laughs> liked how those handles came out. Yeah. Makes me want to do those handles on a chef knife and see what it looks like. Why haven't you? Yeah. I don't know, because I'm fucking busy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there's only so much time, but that's why I close my books, too. Like, I close my books for months, be- and it's not because these disorders can take me months. I'll probably be done in a week, but I've been pushing off building my grinding room. I got tons of fucking shit laying around that, like, like my plasma cutter I bought a year ago is still in the box. Cause it's just like, I, it's all go. Yeah. I'll go. No slow. Well, and that's where Dave's at with his day job. And so he hasn't been able to be, you know, making as much speaking of which. Okay. So I got one more question for you, Dave. We'll, um, we got one more ad we got to fit in and then we'll head on over to an after show. Um, so just real quick, where do you see yourself? I don't want to be like, where do you see yourself in five years? But like, where do you see OLC knives going? You know, like you do this for fun. You make the, the, the amount of knives you want to make. Obviously, you're very comfortable in your day job, it seems like. But where do you where do you, what's next? You know, what's what are you pushing towards with your knife making? Where do you see yourself going with it? So I I really like kind of the trajectory that I'm on right now where I a lot of my sales are through coworkers. Um, which is great because they pre- 
appreciate craftsmanship and let's be honest, I know what they make. (laughs) So, but, uh, (laughs) but I like being able to do small batches and refine things so that, um, you know, I'm putting out the best product I can, you know, that I, I know I can trust. Um, you know, when you get those customer reviews that people, I had someone this year, they skinned up, uh, or quartered out three deer and still haven't had to sharpen my knife at all. You know, when you get that kind of review back and you can trust your product, that's, that's what I'm going for. Right. I, what's your go-to steel? Um, so 154 CM is the stainless I've been using, but, um, the knife I was talking about was actually 1084. Yep. Nice. And yeah, I mean, we all know that most people probably will never be able to tell the difference between like 154 CM and Magna cut, right? You know, the chefs probably will, but you do a really good heat treat on some of these mono steels, they're going to last for the average user. Yeah, that's why they've been around forever. Yes. But the it from a maker standpoint, you can definitely feel the difference in Magna Cut from anything else. Hmm. Oh, sure. Magna yeah. Cut is just it, like anytime somebody's like, I want this and I want it Magna Cut, my heart stops. I'm like, oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. oh man. <laughs> but like Dave's saying, like Dave's saying, do, are they going to know the difference in the end? Probably not. I don't, they just so. want, they just want the, the word the the, the word makes them happy mm-hmm. and that's, that's what they want. So, you know, a 1084 blade that can quarter and skin three deer. You can't tell me that that person, if they had a magnet cut blade would notice anything different. No, and you know. th- that person is an outlier also. I mean, if you really think about it, 90% of the EDC type blades that we send out, not the kitchen knives, but the regular EDCs, they're uh, they're used to open Amazon packages. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's not, most of the time they're not actually being used for anything. Uh, real quick, there's a fucking water bug crawling up my wall in front of me right now. That's how warm it is here in Maine and on February 11th, 42 degrees out. I'm, I'm looking for my salt gun so I can blast him, but I don't well, know. Well, Ryan, why don't you it. go ahead and uh, go ahead and play the ad for uh, Phoenix Abrasives. We need to talk about them real quick, and then yep. you take care of your water bug while that's playing. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, Click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. He did. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> Good job, man. Yeah, it was one of them weird ones that like, looks like a leaf, almost. Okay. But anyways, yeah, Phoenix Abrasives, 10% off, Hustle 10. Appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, I'm still using those incinerator belts. They're still awesome. Um, Actorox, if you go somewhere else. It's it's the VSM blue belt that they only make in 36, which really bugs me. Because if they made it in 120, I would love that. 
because mm-hmm. it's such a phenomenal belt and it's got this the backing on it is different than the rest i don't know if it actually is but it feels different and it's it's freaking awesome and i struggle i go back and forth on whether or not it's actually worth the extra money because it's about twice the cost or close to twice the cost of like a red ferrari vsm which i use the majority of the time but man that that uh that incinerator just freaking it's awesome i love it so it eats apex ultra yeah Talking about sure using does. super steels, talking about using super steels, you're gonna need those. You're gonna need those higher dollar belts. That's just all there is to it, man. Get yeah. what you pay for. For sure. The the mentioning the backing on the Actorox belts, the difference with those heavy heavy backings. So if you're using like a cheaper 36 grit, and you it starts to get a little worn out, maybe you got it hot a couple times, or you really lean it into it the backing on the belt stretches in certain spots and you get like that weird fucking wobble yeah, mm-hmm. in your belt. And it's either you can choose to deal with it and use it or you can do what I do and you take it off and throw it on the floor no matter how much grit's left because it's super annoying. When you're grinding bubbles, yeah, it is. I've never had that issue with an Actorox or the Red Ferrari belts. And I, I lean pretty heavily into, I lean into it. I put a lot of pressure on it from profiling or hogging off material. Yeah. Yep. I can't even fuck with them cheaper belts anymore. I just get annoyed. Yep. Or I'm they sure, break man. and hit me in the face and I get really pissed <laughs> There it off. is. I was waiting for it. There it is. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. I've been using those, uh, what, the structured ceramics um, in like the 400 and 800. Those have been uh, Norton so ones? nice. Yeah, I believe so. The yeah, those leave Norton, a great finish, uh, man. Oh, uh, what are they called? Norton Norax. Yeah. The Norax belts. I've got a set of those. They work really well. Those are I've great. I've been using the them for sharpening. The on them is just so stiff. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sharpening, really? Yeah. Yeah, without oh, that seam in there, and it lasts so much longer that I've been using the same two specifically for sharpening only. So I know that it, they're not getting gummed up. For the listeners that aren't familiar with them, it's the Norton equivalent to Trizac Gator belts, which are my go-to. Yeah. But I have both, and I like I like the Nortons for certain applications, like the last pass on the inside of a hollow. For some reason, those leave a nicer finish, I think. Um, they, they stay tend consistent. To build up, yeah, they stay consistent. They tend to build up heat. A little more than the Trizacs, but not much because the Trizacs get hot quick too. And they have a little less grit, so you can't clean them off as many times, but whatever. Yeah. They break before you wear the grit out anyways. They have a stiffer backing as well. The Mm -hmm. the gator belts are a lot more flexible. Um, It's a lot more like cloth, the gator belts are. Yeah. These are more of a, I don't know what you'd call it, the, is it Y-weight? the thicker thicker and more stiff backing but yeah wire x they're you know depending on what the specific task is that you're doing you want that you know especially if you're doing those like you're saying those final passes that stiffer backing really helps keep everything rigid and maybe that's a lot of the reason why you seem to get those cleaner final uh grind lines if you're doing belt finishes man those things are phenomenal i stay i stay hard backing all the way up through yeah 
you know, you know my philosophy on it. We've gone over it a hundred times, but unless you've got one of them rotary platens from Ameribraid like I've got, and then it doesn't even matter. <clears throat> Hustle ten. Check out those rotary platens. They're pretty it's freaking so nice, awesome. Dude. I'm just saying. It's so fucking nice. Well, talk about final passes. Ugh, that's where it's at. <laughs> Anyways, Dave, it's been awesome having you on here. Is there anything else you want to say on the main show before we head on over to an after show? No, I just really appreciate you guys having me on. This has been a blast. Right on, dude. Awesome. Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on. It was a little bit short notice. So uh, thank you for coming on here. And uh, it was really a great show. So uh, thank you guys all for listening. We're going to head over to an after show, which is for patrons only if you support us on patreon for as little as one dollar a month or ten dollars and 88 cents a year you can listen to the after show we're about to record and all previous after shows if you heard us talk to a guest and you were really curious about what we talked about in the after show with them now is the time get on over to patreon.com and sign up patreon.com slash hustle and grind and uh, you get access to all those after shows, some really great conversations that we've had with all different kinds of makers. Uh, the after show with the Slacksmith in, in particular uh, stands out <laughs> in my mind as, as one that you would want to go back and listen to. Uh, that was that was quite the uh, quite the after show. And it, honestly, the after shows that we've done with Tobias Angler when he's been on, those have all been awesome. So worthwhile. We try to give you guys your money's worth. We appreciate you supporting us monetarily and keeping us going. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to all of you lovely people again next week. Right. And if you are a patron, your name is listed in every episode's show notes. So whether it's your real name or not. Yeah, it could be a dick emoji if you're uh, Fingal Ferguson. <laughs> yep. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye, everybody. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Dave. <laughs>